Abba Father, we thank you for this time, O Master. Thank you, O God, that as Prashant said, it is you who teaches the word, O Master, and you teach it with ease, O Master. And everyone who's seated over here, everyone who's listening to this teaching, who's going to listen to the teaching, O Lord, thank you, Jesus, that the ears are anointed to listen to your voice, O Master. And thank you, O God, you talk to each and every one of them personally. And this beautiful chapter, this beautiful book, of revelation is made known to them and they understand the truth and they live by what is written in this. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So a quick recap of what we did till now. We started with chapter 1 that was uh, uh, about the revealed Christ. Chapter 2 and 3 were messages to the seven churches. Then it was uh, John is taken up from Earth, he goes into a heavenly realm. So chapter 4 and 5 is a heavenly description and the worship, it takes place over there. And chapter 6 is with the opening of the seals. The lamp of God who is going to open up the seals. So chapter 6, Jesus opens seal number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6. There are totally 7 seals. He opens up 1 to 6 seals and here the tribulation takes place both for the saved and the unsaved so naturally we expect the next chapter is opening of the seventh seal and when he opens the seventh seal that would be the wrath of god being poured down but before he does that we have chapter 7 and chapter 8 and in chapter 7 there is a sealing of the 1,44,000 people who are sent down to earth to preach the gospel to the unsaved people and i have taught in the previous chapters who this one like 44,000 people are and how they are sealed. And after that, the rapture takes place instantly. Once they are sealed, the rapture takes place and all the believers go back to God. All those who believe in Christ are instantly raptured and they are with God in the heavenly kingdom. And after that is what the wrath of God is being poured out. Then the seventh seal is opened in chapter 8 which I spoke last time. And in the seventh seal, what happens? The seventh seal is to do with the seven trumpets. The seventh seal is to do with the seven trumpets. So with each trumpet is blown, a different kind of wrath is poured out. And the first trumpet is blown, what happens? There is hail with fire mixed with blood will come down. And the second trumpet, we have the mountains, which will be uh, something like a great mountain, which will fall down into the sea and in the third we have a great star that falls down and the star is called as wormwood and in the fourth we have that is where a third of the sun is struck, third of the moon is struck and a third of the sea is struck and I explained that to you last time. So after this first four trumpets are blown then you see an eagle flying up in heaven in mid-air and the eagle is crying woe, woe, woe to what will be happen with the next three trumpets. The four trumpets have been blown. So there's a fifth, there is a sixth, and there is going to be a seventh trumpet blown. Now all this is the wrath of God. This is not the tribulation. This is the great tribulation or the wrath of God. And this is being poured down onto the world only on the unbelievers. The believers have all gone up. There is no believers left on earth. Only the unbelievers, the atheists, the, uh, those who refuse to believe in Jesus, all those people who are left on earth, 
on them only this wrath is being poured so did you understand okay so now we come to chapter 9 verse 1 and the fifth angel blew his trumpet and i saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit okay so now the fifth angel blew his trumpet with each trumpet one one angel was blowing so there were seven angels so this is this is the fifth trumpet so the fifth angel is blowing his trumpet and i saw who saw john john sees a star that had fallen from heaven to earth so it's not that he is seeing the star falling in front of him it's talking in past tense he had had a star that had fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit now who is this star that had fallen from heaven to earth will be revealed a little later as this chapter progresses so i will leave it to that time i will explain it that time and this particular star has been given the key to the shaft of a bottomless pit when you think about a bottomless pit what does it normally refer to it ref refers to an abyss or hell something there is no end to it like it is there's no like you can anything you see there is an end to it we don't say bottomless for anything we know that it ends somewhere but this particular shaft so how you can explain the shaft is like how the mine diggers they they dig and they go deep and deep and deep and you know hundreds of feet under the earth and they go deep down still they will reach there will be an end but this particular no one can find an end to the shaft now how you can make an uh, uh, an imagination is like you see suppose there's a tunnel imagine a huge tunnel and that is under the earth and the opening of the tunnel has got a huge what you call a uh, uh, lid like and the lid is stuck it is closed so the tunnel is closed now what happens is that this angel is given and that lid is locked it's locked and kept there's a tunnel down imagine a huge tunnel it's got a massive lid or a cover on top of it and that cover has a big lock and the, it is locked now this angel has been given the key to the bottomless pit so that is the pit which has got no end he has been given the key to open that shaft or open the lock of the the lid which is covering this bottomless pit yes now go to verse number 2 he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given authority like the authority of scorpions of the earth okay so moment he opens the shaft he opens he lifts the lid lit up what comes out smoke smoke or a great furnace now you see every house has a chimney not now like we have chimneys but doesn't give off the smoke like you have the electric chimneys now the olden type or you see imagine a engine or of a train so that gives out that black smoke it comes out of it you know on the top but here the difference is that the smoke is such a great furnace that it reaches right up to the sun 
it's not only covering the earth now how much is the distance between the earth and the sun the distance is so far no one can cross that it is you know i do not know exact measurement how much it is but it is not something where anyone has been able to cross that and that kind of a smoke so much of smoke comes out of that bottomless pit and it completely covers the earth and reaches right up to the sky so it's not like a forest fire or like uh, you know a building on fire or anything that you can think of that furnace itself is so bad the smoke of it goes for long distances and you choke with that smoke smoke can everything chokes you but that after a while after a day after two year two days three days sometimes for some weeks it clears up still you can see the sun but here the earth right up to the sun is completely filled with the smoke that comes out of the bottomless pit that great intensity or that great amount of smoke is coming out from the bottomless pit and from that smoke now comes out a particular creature called as locust what they say from the smoke came locust on the earth and they were given authority like the authority of scorpions of the earth now what are locusts basically what are locusts they are like grasshopper like creatures they don't come single they come in swarms they come in swarms and basically what they do they go and destroy the food crops they come suppose there is a you know you have a huge acre of uh, land you are growing uh, a farmer and you have so much of harvest is time to harvest just before the harvest suddenly the swarms of locusts will come and settle settle down on that harvest and next day when you go see your your uh, you know your farm you will be completely shocked because it would have destroyed everything such small tiny creatures but they come in such huge amount that they can destroy acres of land in one night itself so that is the characteristics of this locust but what is god saying over here he says they were given authority like the authority of the scorpions of the earth means the nature was of a locust but they were not doing the work of the locust they were doing the work that was the nature of a scorpion and what is the nature of a scorpion what does a scorpion do it stings people it stings people that's its tail is poisonous and it that tail with that tail it stings the people so the these locust were told that they have to do the work of the scorpions that means they have to sting the people who are present on the earth yes and verse 4 they were told not to damage the grass of the earth or any green growth or any tree but only those people who do not have the seal of god on their foreheads okay so what instruction was given to the locust that you are not supposed to damage the grass that is what they normally do they damage the grass they are uh, any green growth they feed on them so they have been told they are not supposed to touch any of the grass of the earth or any gro green growth or any tree means their basic work they are not supposed to do and but only those people who do not have the seal of god on their forehead so that's why this is 144000 people were sealed before they came down to the earth this 144000 people are people from the old testament from the 12 tribes of israel who are the you know perfectly good men they're all men they're const constantly following jesus wherever he went they're blameless never spoke a lie and god 
puts a seal on their forehead and sends them down onto the earth among people who are totally unbelievers so that at least these people will still preach the gospel to them but these people have to be kept protected they should be not stung by the scorpion so that's why god seals them he puts the seal of what is the seal i taught you the name of god the father and god the son so that is put on their forehead so the locust will not touch any of the people where they see the seals so they will not sting them but the remaining people who are present on earth would be stung by this locust did you understand yeah now come verse 5 they were allowed to torture them for 5 months but not to kill them and their torture was like the torture of a scorpion when it stings someone so what they were told to do that you are supposed to sting them for how long for 5 months practically 5 into 30 you will say 150 days 150 days of torture imagine once if you get a bee sting how does it how does how is it it's so painful it swells up and unless you remove of that sting it will continue to pain and the redness and the swelling will persist and this is not a bee this is a scorpion like scorpion like sting and once it stings doesn't stop again they will come again they will sting again they will sting in a day thousands time there's no limit and it will not stop it goes on for 150 days and night you don't get respite even in the night god did not say only the day you sting and okay let the people take a have a good sleep in the night this is the wrath of god no mercy he is not showing mercy at all this is he's waited a long time given his time for people to change he has given his grace upon the people it's 2000 plus years since jesus died and is gone back and he's you know been patient been kind been loving god but now when his wrath falls down he says this is the time of wrath no mercy i come back as a judge and a judge will be just you deserve this punishment you deserved it you are getting it nothing will come in between me and my wrath so this punishment of the stinging of the scorpions will be continuously for 150 days and night so suppose there is a war what do you prefer to see the enemy you want to fight a battle you want to fight during the day or during the night during the night sister yes why why night is special mr anthony yes you can catch them off god that's a good that's a good uh, question that the enemy is sleeping and you catch them off god who fought the battle like that gideon india hello <laughs> reading too much of news india pakistan war okay i'm saying biblically who fought the battle like that gideon fought the battle gideon had an army i told you god had made it down to how many people 300 people and he was fighting an army of 1 lakh 50000 plus so he was totally outnumbered anyway even a small bunch of this midianites could destroy gideon and the israelites as in in no time and god gives him what weapon to fight he takes in his hand what a conch to blow and the other hand he has a lamp with a which is covered with a pitcher and how does he enter into the battle the camp is down the enemy is sleeping they know they have already won the war you know they are not even thinking they are already planning the victory song 
They said, because we are so many and that's only 300 people. What can 300 people come and, uh, you know, damage 150,000 people? So they already declared they had a nice bada khana. They've had a nice drink, all gone to sleep. And middle of the night, God says, Gideon, now run down the valley. So he runs down the valley and then Gideon takes a conch and he blows. Moment he blows, all the other 300 people also blow the conch and they break the pitcher, the pot, the pot of wood. They break it. And when they break it, the light is shown. So you see, you know, 300 people screaming and coming down with the light in their hand. It completely mesmerized, paralyzes the enemy and they kill themselves and they die. With no weapon. God fought the battle with no weapon. But this is a battle. This is a, not a battleground. This is more like the wrath of God. And wrath of God, he says it is like day, at least you can see the scorpions coming in. At night, you can't even see them from where they're coming. Maybe crawling under your bed, under your pillow, walking up your back, coming down your chimney or coming down your front door. And there's nothing that can stop them. And at night, it would be even more terror. You have the pain with the stings through the entire day. And at night, it will be even more worse. Don't know how many of them will come and sting you. So it is going to be like a crazy painful scenario. Everybody will be screaming and crying and they can do nothing about it. Like no one is, uh, you know, let go of the pain for some time. You can take an injection. There's nothing there. There's no therapy or remedy for the pain that you will get through this sting. We go to the next verse. And verse six. And in those days, people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So sad. Actually, they're waiting, let it me die. Let this scorpion sting and let, be, let it be the end of it. With the end of it, at least my pain, uh, they're not bothered about what will happen to the soul. At least that pain will stop. Kill me. Many people go through that. Now they ask euthanasia. They are unable to take that, you know, living so many years with so much of pain and uh, unable to talk. People are not there to take care of them. They are in comatose situation, semi-comatose situation. And so they are asking like, kill me. Kill me. And no, many countries are practically passing the law where euthanasia is allowed. This is against God because God does not give you any authority to take your life. If God has given, you have to lay it down only when he tells you to. You cannot take your life for whatever may be the cause. Even if you are comatose for the next 50 years of your life, and you are remaining comatose, you still do not have the authority to take your life. No one can take any life. Whether it is one cell or it's a fully grown person, life is life. And God has given that life, no one can take. So same, the people there will be crying that kill me, let me die now. But death will flee from them. And now in the next verse, we have the appearance of this locust. How do they look like? In appearance, the locusts were like horses equipped for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. So what we first said, locust was just like a grasshopper. Then we changed our opinion. Now, okay, it's like a grasshopper, but working like a scorpion. Now it's nowhere like a scorpion. It's a huge horse. And the horse also, not the horses that you see on the road or you see near your house or you see in the field that people have. This is a Battle horse. You know, who? which horse is chosen to go to the battle? With the strongest, the sturdiest, the well-built. Because if the enemy is coming and if this horse gets scared and runs away, then the battle is lost. So he cannot have a 
horse which will go into battle and turn its back and go. So it has to be prepared, it has to be sturdy, it has to be strong, it has to be firm in its resolve, it has to listen to its master. And now this locust, suddenly the shape is changing from a locust to a scorpion. Now it's like a wild horse. And how does it have, what does it have on its head? It has a crowns of gold on its head and their faces are like human face. So the horse's face is not like the horse. It has got a human face and the hair like a woman's hair, long hair, not the short hairs that you have women. When they say like a, a woman's hair, it's long hair and teeth like lion's teeth. Imagine this, what creature like, you know, hideous creature, looks so horrible. Human face, majestic horse, human face long hair and has got a crown on his head and has got teeth like the lion. That's so strong. You know, lion catches a prey, doesn't leave. It will pull out the entire chunk of meat. Doesn't let go. That's why it's strong. You know, the teeth, the front, the incisors and everything are very sharp and very strong. So like that kind of a teeth, this particular locust or grasshopper or horse, whatever you, it's a mix of all of them, a scorpion, everything mixed together, this creature has got and they also had what? Scales like? Iron breastplate. Iron breastplates. So now I taught you about the breastplate of righteousness. When we were teaching on the spiritual warfare, I told you how the breastplate would be like with scales. It's like literally thick, thick scales. They would go to war. So what will, and the way they are intricately designed and put next to each other so that no arrow would be able to also pierce them. So they will be protected. So that kind of a scale you see, like is it metal scales. Now you think of a scale of an animal. Which animal has got scale? Fish. Fish has got scale, the thin scale that you just scrape it, it comes out. And then the other animals like? Snake also has got a scale which, which it leaves it out. Now the other, like a, yeah you say like a, Crab, crab as a, a tortoise or a turtle. Now, it's like an exoskeleton, an extra sheet that they have which protects them. So the moment you go to touch it, they will go off inside. It's protection for them. But if you remove of that, remove of that uh, entire shell, it will die. It will die inside, right? Okay. Okay, that looks pretty scary, huh? Okay, so they had scales like breastplates. This, this, this means like what? Okay, this creature is coming against me. Let me take a bow and arrow or a gun and shoot. It will not penetrate through that at all. It is so thick that you can, you can weapon, you can take an arrow and you try to kill them, take a knife and try to poke them or do whatever you want. You cannot kill this animal. People will try. Those who are on earth, they have weapons, they have armies, they have, you know, huge, whatever, uh, AK-47 rifles, everything they will try. But the scales will be so thick that they'll try to kick it, they'll try to stamp it, they'll try to tear it, try to remove it. But they will not be even able to make a dent in that armor. So thick would be the armor of that gigantic animal. Yes, verse 9. They had scales like iron breastplates, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots 
with horses rushing into battle. So, and they say they had scales, which I explained, and the noise of the wings means so many of them are coming. The horse also had wings, and when they are all coming, what kind of noise they will make? Suppose you go in the, you go at, uh, sometime look sunset time, you go climb up the mountain, and then you have the little birds, you know, we make noise, and it's calm and quiet. That noise becomes so loud for you, and that's the small birds. We'll have to literally see where those are because wings will flap so fast, 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 and that little noise you will hear. And now here you have this gigantic animals. They're coming down, not one, two. The numbers will be given to you. They're coming down in full force, and all the wings are flapping, flapping, and all the wings. That noise itself will be so loud and so horrifying. And what happens to them? It will be like the sound of chariots with the horses rushing. Into battle. They're not slowly coming, okay, it's talking to each other, having a jolly good time and coming. They are coming to execute the command of the Lord. They are coming for battle. Their plan is like, it's fixed. They are not shifting here, not shifting there. Gaze is not going anywhere else. We are coming to destroy and we are destroying and we are coming in a hurry. We are coming to the battle fully prepared to kill and to destroy. Yes. They have tails like scorpions with stingers and in their tails is their power to harm people for five months. So with the entire power of this animal is in its tail and with the tail it would sting and it, it was given the power to sting for five months or 150 days. Yes. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. So now you understood. They have a king this locust have a king an authority over them and that authority is who the angel of the bottomless pit so when we read in verse 1 you saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit that time we did not know the identity now we know the identity who is this his name in hebrew is his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, Abaddon and in Greek, Greek he is called Apollyon. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That's why in Hebrew it is called as Abaddon. In New Testament was written in Greek. So in Greek he is called as Apollyon. But both are different names for the same person. In Hebrew he is called as Abaddon and in Greek he is called as Apollyon. They are the same angel. So what do we understand by this? That this angel belongs to whom? Does he belong to God or does he belong to the devil? Now this question is a great, uh, you know, many of the teachings, they're teaching, different, differently they teach. Okay, I'll put a question like this. Suppose India and Pakistan have a war. So whom will I send as a general? From India or will I choose from the Pakistan army? Why will I choose an Indian? You know, you're, you will take a person from your own country because the other person would be the enemy. Will I give the key to the enemy or will I give it to my general? I'll give it to my general. So definitely Abandon and Apollyon are angels who are working for God. They are not from the Enemy's kingdom. Why would God require the help of an enemy to do his work? Why would he require? 
because their names you no know, abandon and apollyon means destruction and it, you throughout the old testament i will give you some scriptures you go through them they are they are revealed in the old testament it is psalm just write it down so that when you have time in the old and new testament you can go through them abandon in the old testament apollyon in the new testament they are scriptures are psalm 8811 Job twenty six. Twenty verse six. Job twenty eight verse twenty two. Job thirty one verse twelve. Proverb fifteen verse eleven. Proverb twenty seven verse twenty. Matthew seven verse thirteen, verse twenty. Matthew seven verse thirteen. Romans nine verse twenty seven. Philippians three verse nineteen. Two Peter two verse one. Two Peter three verse sixteen. Now, what did we read in Revelation verse chapter one verse eighteen? What did we read in verse thirteen? Eighteen. I was dead, and see, I am alive for ever and ever. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. So, who has the keys? Jesus has the keys, and He gives the key to the angel of the bottomless pit. So, He is giving the key to. abandon or apollyon it's the same name so he is giving the key to his own his own angel and this is an angel of destruction and you will see that he comes many times in this uh, in this uh, in this book of revelation you will see him in revelation chapter 20 verse 1 and 2 go to 20 verse 1 and 2 revelation 20 I want you to. I have read through all the scriptures which I mentioned it to you. So go back and read again. Who is this abandoned and Apollyon? They are not Lucifer or belonging to the army of Lucifer. It is God's own angel, and their job is to cause destruction. Because the name means destruction, almost everybody associate that these are from hell. They are from the wrong side but they are not they are actually doing god's work you will understand when you go to chapter 20 verse 1 and 2 then i saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain so okay he sees an angel coming down from heaven and what was he holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain yes he sees the dragon that ancient serpent who is the devil and satan and bound him for a thousand years so what is this angel's job to do he has to bind the satan if he was belonging to the satan's kingdom will he do this no now you is clear is it clear now he is authorized by god to go and bind satan for thousand years so he is not from the demonic angels he is from god's own army 
he is the angel given the job to open the bottomless pit and he also is given the job later on to bind the satan to bind devil to tie him up and keep him for tied up for a thousand years did you understand so he belongs to god's kingdom okay you see a foreshadowing of this event whatever is written over here i said everything has already been written in the past it is it has been the scriptures whatever you are reading here is nothing like new it has given events are given in the past and when it happened in the past it was also relevant to them and also a foreshadowing of what will happen in the book of revelation so go to joel chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 joel chapter 2 verse 1 to 11 This entire chapter is very similar to what you are reading now. Yes. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful army comes. Their light has never been from of old nor will be again after them in ages to come fire devours in front of them and behind them a flame burns before them the land is like the garden of eden but after them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them they have the appearance of horses and like war horses they charge as with the rumbling of chariots they leap on the tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble like a powerful army drawn up for battle before them peoples are in anguish all faces grow pale like warriors they charge like soldiers they scale the wall each keeps to its own course they do not swerve from their paths they do not jostle to one another each keeps to its own tracks they burst through the weapons and are not halted they leap upon the city they run upon the walls they climb up into houses they enter through the windows like a thief the earth quakes before them the heavens tremble the sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining the lord utters his voice at the head of the army how vast is his host numberless are those who obey his command Truly the day of the Lord is great terrible indeed who can endure it so did you understand the same thing it's practically almost a similar same uh, woe which is we are reading now when the opening of the fifth trumpet blowing of the fifth trumpet has been explained at that time in the time of Joel also it happened in a smaller scale but in a much bigger scale it is in revelation so it is also like horses which are coming charging down to battle and they say you know in front of them it's like garden of eden but moment they cross that it is they have destroyed there's nothing like garden or anything that is growing over there they've completely destroyed nothing will escape them no person can they can climb in through the chimney they can climb in through the window they can come in through the door even if your door is locked they will come in through that door they have given full authority to enter from any part of the place there's no way that any human being 
can hide. So this is, and that army is so ferocious, it's not one. He says, you cannot count the amount of horses that are coming, charging down for the battle that day to destroy. So this is the fifth trumpet when it is blown. This is what the destruction would take place. We have this fire hazards. Most of the people die because of the smoke. It chokes them, they can't breathe. There's so much of carbon monoxide that goes into your lung and then you die. So first of all, there is a smoke that is touching right up to the sky. And out of that smoke now come these creatures and they come charging unto you. They are like a grasshopper, given the job of a scorpion, but they look like a horse. That's a huge wild horse, which is armored for battle. Have you seen a horse which is armored for battle? What will they do? The leg, they put a metal shoe. They put a rug around the back so that the rider could sit on it. And the face also they have, it's covered so that it does not look to the right or left. It is going on that path, it has to go. So these are like armies of horses which will come down and I told the face is like a, face is like a human face, long hair, lion teeth. What else? And, a, and the tail is like a scorpion and it is armored, completely scales around it. So this is the, the first woe has passed and there are still two more woes to come. It was woe, woe, woe. It was, so the first woe has passed. Now we are coming to the second woe. Yes, verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before, before God. God. Now the sixth angel is blowing his trumpet and John hears a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Now I told you in the throne room, before God was the altar. Now this altar has got four corners. And in the four corners, there are four horns. Okay, there are four horns are there. And then he hears a voice from among the four horns. And it's probably, most probably, that is the voice of Jesus. That is the voice of Jesus. And what does this voice telling? It's saying to the sixth angel, what does he say? Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So now he's commanding. What is the voice commanding? Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So these are angels. They are bound in the river Euphrates. Now you release these angels. Means till now they are bound over there. They are tied up or whatever they are. There are no instructions to leave their job, what they are doing. So release these four angels. Now before we come to the identity of who these four angels are, we have to learn about this great river Euphrates. Now this is a great river. It plays a significant role in the Old Testament as well as in the book of Revelation. Its origin is in the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 10. Yes, Genesis chapter 2 verse 10. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divides and becomes four branches. So in, in the garden of Eden, there is a river that is flowing out and it divides into four branches. And which are these four rivers? 
The name of the first is Pishin. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havila, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Kush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Okay, so now this Garden of Eden, there's a river coming out of the Garden of Eden, divides into four branches. They are Pishon, Gihon, Tigris and Euphrates. Now the river Euphrates, you will not see much mention of Pishon, Gihon and Tigris much. But Euphrates, you will see a mention of it quite a lot of time in the book of Genesis. You will see this is the river Euphrates associated with the first sin. What was the first sin? What was the first sin? Eve is tempted to eat the apple. It's along the river Euphrates. Genesis 2 verse 10 to 14. It happens along this river Euphrates that the first sin takes place. It's also the place of the first murder. Who was the first murder? Who murdered whom first? Cain was murdered by? Abel was murdered by Cain. Okay. I was testing all of you. Okay. <laughs> Genesis 4.16. Abhi, that was your mistake. Yeah. Blossom. Okay. Okay. Who it was? So it is Cain who murders Abel. And what does uh, Cain do? After mur murdering Abel, he's cursed by God. And he goes away from the presence of God and settles in the land of Nod. And settles in the land of Nod, which is east of Eden. And that's where the river Euphrates also flows. So God banishes him from the Garden of Eden. Now he goes to a place called as Nod. And Along not that river, Euphrates flow. It is also the place of the first organized revolt. First organized revolt. Organized revolt means what? A lot of people join together and they revolt against. Now you have got people sitting on dharnas and people sitting on, you know, what do you call that? Mochas and some other word is there for it. Strike. Strike, strikes. So this is also like a strike. But it's an organized strike. And who did this organized strike? Genesis 11, verse 1 to 9. This is for the Tower of Babel. The people all were speaking the same language. They are speaking the same thing. And what they wanted to do, they may wanted to build a tower that would go high above God. And they are lifting the name. Like now we will be able to reach God and above that and putting something into honor more than God. So what does God do? He confuses all these people. They were all speaking one language. Now he confuses them. Now they are all speaking different languages. And since they are all speaking different languages, they cannot work together. They could not construct the Tower of Babel. So along the river Euphrates is where the first organized revolt takes place. And even when God gives his covenant to Abraham, Abra Abraham at that time, what does he say in Genesis 15? To your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So always Euphrates has been associated with everything. Even God is giving Abraham that I will give you from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. It's mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. It is also the boundary of the Roman Empire. Now what we'll come back. Yeah, now where, where did we go? We are in, yeah, verse uh, 13. Yeah, 13 we came. And what does God say? Release the four angels who are bound to the 
great river Euphrates. Now, who are these four angels? Now, we come to the identity of these four angels. Now, remember in the Garden of Eden, there is a tree of life. You know the tree of life. And the other is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is a tree which Eve ate the fruit. Now, the other tree which is of great significance is the tree of life. And anyone who would eat of this fruit, they would live forever. So once Adam has sinned, Eve has sinned, God has banished them away from the Garden of Eden. They are going away from the Garden of Eden. And at that point of time, if Eve probably looked at this tree and she said, I want to eat of this fruit, she would eat. Then what would happen? She would remain in that sinful state for the rest of her life. And because of her, whole of humanity would remain in the sinful state and salvation could not come into place. God could not bring in salvation because once he has passed a law, it is done. Now whatever, people used to eat that before and they continued living. But in the sinful state, if they ate the fruit, they would remain in their sinful state forever. So there will be no salvation for them. So to prevent them from eating of that tree, what does God say? He keeps what? His angels called as the cherub. The cherub is a singular and cherubim is a plural. So he keeps this angel in charge of the tree of life. So now the tree is placed over here. So there's an angel in the front. We always take position as north, south, east and west. So one cherub, one cherub in the front, one in the back, one in the right, one in the left. So they are now four cherubims and they are guarding this tree of life. Now what happened in the time of Noah? Noah, entire, the whole world was flooded, including the Garden of Eden. Everything, the world means including Garden of Eden. Everything was flooded. So the, the geography of the region completely changed. Now this particular tree of life is located at the bottom of the river Euphrates. The same tree of life is now located at the bottom of the river Euphrates and these four cherubims are still guarding that tree of life. Are you understanding? And now God is telling that now you release those four angels who are guarding the tree of life. Doesn't mean that if moment they are released, the tree of life will be left unsecured. It will still be secured by some other angels. But now these angels have a different job to perform. So God says, release those four angels. Have you understood? Did you understand about the Euphrates River? You also understood about the four angels. Yeah, now you can go to the next verse. So the four angels were released who had been ready for the ark. The day, the month and the year to kill a third of humankind. So they know the purpose right from the creation. We from Genesis, they are standing around this tree. Noah's time has come. The world has been destroyed. They have gone under the sea deep. It's not something that you can see. Right bottomless. And later on this river Euphrates will be also completely made bare. All the water will be dried up. We will read that later in the book of Revelation, the chapters, even this river Euphrates will be dried up. But they are right now down at the bottom of the Euphrates river, guarding this tree of life. But they know that their purpose is there, that a time is coming. They specifically mention, they know the hour, they know the day, they know the month, they know the year. And what is their job? To kill 
a third of humankind. These four angels are going to kill one third of the humankind. Yes. The number of the troops of cavalry was 200 million. Yes, you just stop there. So how many people? Four angels, but they have a troop of cavalry. Means an army people coming with them. They're not only coming as four. These are the four, like the generals, these angels. And along with them is coming a troop of 200 million. You know, when the Great World War was fought between 1939 to 1945. Six years of war. And that was a big war. Almost the whole of the world was involved. Even India sends it. So many of its, you know, army men to go into the war. That time, including the six years and including the army of both the sides, when they counted the total army, it was over a six years period, the total count was coming to 70 million. Only 70 million people were involved in that war. Entire six years through. Now what is God saying? That he is going to send 200 million army is going to come and kill one third of the mankind. Now make a rough calculation. Now today, for yesterday I read, what is the current population of the world? 7.7 billion. 7.7 billion. So you take one third of that will be around 2.6, 2.65, somewhere around. 2.6 million people. Now one million is how many millions? One billion is how many millions? Thousand. One billion is equal to, all are looking here and there. Even I don't want to embarrass because somebody asked me, I will also be looking here and there. Since I am prepared, I know. <laughs> so okay. One billion is equal to thousand million. So now, Approximately 2,500 million people are going to be killed. How many? 2,500 million people are going to be killed by an army of 200 million plus four generals. Now this number is absolutely wrong because why? Most of the people should have been raptured. So we do not know that count. I have not put the number of people who would be raptured. I have no clue. The number of people. This is the entire world population for today. It stands at 7.7 billion. So I am making a calculation for that. So the, that uh, uh, 2,500 million people will be drastically reduced. I hope it is drastically reduced that most of the people are gone up to heaven. See, the unraptured would be much lesser number compared to 2,500 million. But to kill them, God is sending 200 million army okay now how the army is described and this was how i saw the horses in my vision the riders wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur the heads of the horses were like lions heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths now we have another animal described in the next war so this is also like a horse. Okay. He sees the horses. And they have riders in this. In the previous one, we didn't have any riders in that. But in this one, there are riders. And these riders are wearing breastplate. And the breastplate has got a color. They say the color of fire. What's the color of fire? Red. Red, red is we say. You can say orangish also. So we will say basically fire is red. 
and of sapphire. Sapphire is blue and of sulfur. Sulfur is yellow. So red, blue and yellow. The breastplate of the riders was with the three colors. So many of them said that this must be belonging to the flag of a particular nation. Red, blue and yellow. But there is no flag which has the three colors. There is no flag which has, so you cannot tell one particular nation is going to come. So it will be, the, the three colors will be there on, upon the breastplate of the rider of the horse and the head of the horse is like a lion's head. The previous time we read it was a, has the face of a human being. But here the head is like a lion. And then fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouth. So what is coming out of the mouth? Fire, smoke and sulfur is coming out of their mouth. Now what do you imagine when you think something is coming out of the mouth? What do you think? What it could be? It could be a, sounds like a dragon. None of you have seen movies and all you don't see. How do, how, how do I tame my dragon? Yeah, this is Nikki's favorite movie. How to tame the dragon or something like that. So you see these dragons, good dragons they are, nice dragons. Okay. So you can see them when they are snorting, all fire will come out of their nostrils. Probably this would be something like that. God is being very... Yeah, William is pretty fast. Huh? Okay, so all that, like uh, it could be a huge animal which looks like a dragon and they are charging down at you and they are blowing out fire, sulfur and smoke. All these three things are coming on people. So many people, commentary I have read about a lot of people, they said this would be a mechanized warfare. Mechanized warfare means a robotic warfare or machine-based warfare. There's a lot of machines are going to come, you can't even count. Why would God do that? So why would he say? If he had to tell it as mechanized, he would have mentioned it. Till now he's being very specific, saying there is a, is a horse-like structure, there is a rider on the horse, the rider is having a breastplate with this red and blue and yellow uh, colors on it and he's got a face like a lion. He's got a face like a lion and there is smoke and uh, sulfur and fire coming out of it. So definitely it must be some huge dragon-like creature. A huge dragon-like creature which come in such great quantity amounting to 200 million of them. Not one or two or three of them 200 millions. Now suppose we are all sitting in this place and we just got the news. One dragon. No, no. Shall I stop? It's okay? Okay. I was surprised to hear my own voice. I said how it is coming. <laughs> okay. It's okay? Okay. So, okay, now we are supposed to be sitting over here. And suddenly we get the information that a dragon has landed in Bangalore. What will you do? Take a photograph. A selfie with a dragon. Huh? Smile, dragon, smile. Me also, Prashant. Very smart. Selfie with a dragon. Okay. <laughs> Nobody is scared these days. They have seen so much of TV. and They play so many of those games, you know. Mobile games, killing, shooting and everything. They are no, not scared of anything on earth. Even dragon, they say, will take a selfie. If I heard, I would run away. Who wants to be near a dragon? Suppose it just snorts and all fire comes and everything goes on fire. And now this is one dragon we are seeing. I am scared. Prashant, you are not scared. But one dragon also I am scared. I said that lizard which fell on my back. Miniature dragon. 
that only put me into such a uh, fear now a huge large scale uh, 11 foot to or uh, 12 foot or 20 foot dragon lands up on this place what will we do we'll be scared it's one one paw would be enough to crush whole this place you know so 200 million of them are going to descend as an army at that particular point of time it's not a small destruction god is coming down in full force upon this people and they are just not only running and coming all from the nostrils and from the no- mouth and everything fire and smoke and sulfur you know sulfur when it falls it burns and it's got a horrible stench like the eggs rotten potato rotten eggs if it rotten eggs that kind of a smell so 200 million of them giving that stench how it would be first there and wherever they are going fire is going so things are catching on fire smoke is coming you cannot see you will be choking and then the su- smell of sulfur on that so it will be by these three plagues what will happen a third of the human kind was killed so by these three plagues means fire smoke sulfur. and sulfur yes by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths hmm. for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they inflict harm so this uh, the previous animal that we read the power was in the tail only with the tail it would sting but this particular animal has a face of a lion so it would it it's it had got the power to inflict with its face as well as its tail so probably the face is like a lion it would go be killing the people and removing their flesh so you have fire you have smoke you have that stench plus you have this animal that will be actually biting you and removing chunks of you and then with its tail it will be stinging you so this is a kind of an animal that is like worst nightmare that you can think of would be put into action at that time and even the tail also has a head the tail has a sting in the previous like thing this here the tail also has a head this kind of reminds you like a snake probably you know resembles like a like a and with them they inflict the harm so this is the second woe did you understand the first woe i spoke about the locusts which are coming out and the second woe is that the four angels are sent they have to come down and they have to kill one third of the human kind and how they are coming these angels are coming with an with the entire dinosaur like people you know 200 million of them are coming who are putting smoke or putting fire and throwing sulfur and they also with their mouth they can inflict injury and with the tail they could sting and verse 20 the rest of human kind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their fornication or their thefts so how much of mankind is still left two third are still left one third has been destroyed so two third of human kind is still left they were not killed by this plagues but they did not repent also in spite of all this thing that is taking place in front of them the the locust coming and stinging them for 5 months then you have this huge dinosaur like things coming down and they biting chewing the fire the smoke and thing still people's heart are hardened 
they are not willing to repent why 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 do you think why do you think it's because i think so god himself hardened their heart he does not want them to repent is my opinion i'm not saying it is written over here it's my opinion why because this time god is coming say you need to pay the price if you have been a murderer you're not getting set free you will be paid you will have to pay the price for it if their heart melted or they changed then they will not have to go through all that kind of punishment so god himself is hardening the heart is my belief why because you see in the old testament it was god who hardened the heart of potiphar you read it is god who hardened the heart of potiphar because he had to you know not remove one or two million people he had to remove 40 million people had to be evicted from their place of egypt they have been living there for 400 years so the glory had to be manifested why would people just walk out of the place they had to see the glory of god and it is like a huge mosaic if you can think of of zigzag puzzles if if you know you know zigzag puzzle if one thing doesn't fall into place the whole thing cannot be done you cannot move ahead so if you think the whole creation right from genesis to revelation you put it as a puzzle those things have to fall into place so that his son would come into the scene and there would be salvation so things had to fall these people had to leave egypt they had to walk out of egypt they cannot in egypt salvation couldn't come they had to go to the promised land so for that for glory of god to be revealed he had hardened potiphar's heart because he had hardened potiphar's heart the 10 plagues could come you understand that had to take place and even you see the hardening in the new testament whose heart was hardened that is yeah potiphar is a pharaoh his name is pot no no yeah yeah sister you are correct that is potiphar is a pharaoh of egypt yes and now in the the new testament whose heart was hardened judas judas heart was hardened because jesus had to go through the cross somebody's heart had to judas was that particular person but then we will say judas didn't do anything wrong god had hardened his heart so now why is judas to pay the price for that god also gave him the grace to repent you know when jesus walked on earth among all those disciples that he had the 12 disciples the most amount of time that he spent was not with peter or with john he spent with judas because he knew through judas you know judas is going to one who is going to betray him so he wanted to spend the time so much with judas that judas would understand that even if he committed the crime and he is the cause for jesus to go and die on the cross at that moment he should not run away from god he should run back to god i believe potiphar in the old testament did not after the even though god hardened his heart he came back to god because it is written in the other books of the i don't remember the exact verse that potiphar did not go to hell i don't have the scripture for reference for now but later on i will i'm going out of out of uh, track from this but just giving you an explanation of why god is you know why people are not repenting at that particular time potiphar probably repented and he was not punished but what did judas do he made a mistake peter also made a mistake peter denied christ but after that what he did he came back he repented came back to christ even judas denied christ but what did he do he did not run back to god he ran away from god and went and hung 
himself at that moment also if judas had repented and gone back to christ god would have saved his soul there is no need for punishment for him and god worked with judas the most in his three year ministry more than peter more than john more than james he worked with judas but at the end of moment judas did not realize that and instead of running back to god he ran away from god so here also probably the two third of the mankind which is not repenting is is probably i am saying probably underline it i am not 100% sure probably i feel god only has hardened the heart he says you need to be punished there is no easy way out for you you have killed you have sodomized you have raped you have done this you have done that you have done that and for all of that you have to face the judgment so two third of the human kind is still unrepentant and for what they are repentant they did not repent of the works of their hands the evil that they did with their hands all the bad things that you can do with your hands all of you know what they can do i'll tell you the general things like thief you're cheating you're stealing now when we think of stealing i'm not telling stealing the bank even a small thing like if you go to the office and you're working and you pick up a rubber or a pencil it's not yours if the company has given it to you you keep it but if it is a company property you need to leave that rubber leave the scale a pencil of 5 rupees or whatever every money has to be accounted for it is company's money it is company's it is not yours if you are taking that to yourself you are also stealing you are robbing what does not belong to you does not belong to you you know why many people in life don't progress they want to see success they want to get bigger jobs bigger salaries because god says you should be faithful in little then will you be faithful in much so when he gives you little and you are not faithful with it it may be 1 rupee 10 rupees is not the criteria for god god is watching over you if you are not faithful with that 5 rupees with the 10 rupees with the 20 rupees which is not yours then how you think god is going to interest you with thousands with lakhs with crores so the problem is not with god the problem is with us we are not honest in our dealings and every christian has to learn this we cannot say the world is doing it so let me also do it it is okay the company is rich company has lot of money but maybe the company can be rich company has lot of money that 1 rupee or 100 rupees or 1000 rupees makes no difference for the company but it makes for your soul the difference is your soul is your soul not worth do you want to sell your soul for just that 5 rupees for the 10 rupees and you know with whom you stand with he compares people who are stealing along with murderers along with cheaters along with you know all the sorcerers he is not telling them that okay you have done a little crime he is placing them in the same level of category as he is placing sorcerers as he is placing murderers I means stealing is such a big crime every christian has to keep his you know eyes open 24 by 7 any article that does not belong to me does not belong to me i don't care the value is 1 rupee or the value is whatever the amount if it is the companies and as you walk out of the company you leave it there and you go you understanding this is something that is the work of the hand many people think i am not doing i didn't go cheat the bank i didn't go rob a bank i didn't go to somebody's house and you know take away all the jewelry and run away those people are behind bars but god is saying 
who even would have done this little crime has also equal to the person who's robbed a bank or who has robbed a gang robbery or whatever. And then they worship false. They worship demons and idols of gold. They're still worshipping demons and idols of gold. Of whichever color. Gold and silver, metal, whatever it is. It is a created thing and you're worshipping that. And those who murdered, who are those murdered he's calling? Those are the people who are doing abortions. Those who are aborting, they're saying it's a child, it's just born. One day I get so many patients. Doctors, child is not born. You know, just uh, two weeks old, three weeks old, one week, one day old, two days old, whatever it is. I said, still you have no authority. By your authority, did that child come over there? No, I know people, you know, I have couples who have no issues with both the partners. Neither any problem with the man, neither any problem with the woman. And they have gone for all kind of treatments and still can't conceive. You know why? Because conception comes from God. Conception is from God. The child who is born in that womb, it is only through God's permission that the child has gone there. So we have no authority to take a child. We have no authority to abort a child. Both father and mother, both are responsible for this. It is a woman who does it, but the husband stands equally responsible if your wife goes through that abortion. So both of them, God says, you are called them as murderers. So this is also a crime that God is completely against. Who practice sorcery, witchcraft? I have spoken about that a lot. And when I have given a teaching on sorcery and witchcraft and all that stuff. And who practice fornication also. I explained that is premarital, that is sexual relationship before marriage, outside marriage, multiple relationships. All those things are which God is so angry with them. And he says the rest of humankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hand, that is one, or give up worshipping demons and idols of gold, that is true, and silver, bronze, and stone, and wood. And the three is, they did not repent of their murders. The four is, they did not repent of the sorceries. And the fifth is, the fornication. And the sixth is, the theft. The six sins he specifically mentions over here. The six sins that the humankind was still doing, and they did not repent of it. So now we will come to the third bow in the next chapter.